This episode is sponsored by Pearson Instruments. Brad Pearson is a luthier and guitar tech based in South Vancouver in the Marpole neighborhood. He's also a bassist who plays in the jazz scene and is a big supporter of local music in general. Take your string instruments to Brad to get them sounding beautiful and feeling great. Brad is always quick to turn around repair jobs and will put in all the work your instrument needs. Go to pearsoninstruments.ca to learn more about Brad and what he does. That's pearsoninstruments.ca to learn more. Thanks to Brad for sponsoring the show. There must have been upwards of like 25 people working on that one. I'm just, I'm so happy to and lucky to be able to have like this huge group of friends that is just kind of always down to, to help. And I think that's kind of where the future of art making is going. Hello and welcome to Pacific Sound Radio, your go-to source for everything happening in the Vancouver music scene. I'm James Olson, and today we are speaking with Kane Price. Kane Price is the latest musical project of vocalist and multi-instrumentalist Matt Wilkins. Through Kane Price, Wilkins blends folk and accessible pop songwriting with electronic textures to create a sound that is eclectic and otherworldly. Wilkins recently collaborated with digital artist Chris Mills and videographer Connor Head on his first music video. Looking forward to learning more about how that project came together specifically. Let's take a quick listen to that song before we get to our conversation with the man behind Kane Price. This is Please. Thank you for coming on the show. We've known each other for a bit before making this connection. Mm-hmm. I know you've been, uh, you've had a few different musical projects, and I've had a few different musical projects, and we both have our own background in uh, music journalism as well, local mm-hmm. local stuff. But yeah, it's uh, great to have you here. Yeah, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me, James. Before Kane Price, I recall you were in a duo called Water Sports. Mm-hmm. What can you tell me about the projects you've been involved in prior to this one, and how did they lead you to create Kane Price? Um, yeah, great question. I I um I started water sports with a with a, a friend of mine named Branton Olfert, who uh, is an incredibly talented musician, and uh, I mean you know him. We we all work together, but um yeah, uh, we kind of just like met online and started making this music and. Um, Branton, um, as you may or may not know, is like a huge uh, studio head. Like he he really, really knows his stuff when it comes to recording. Um, so we made a lot of music together and he taught me a lot, honestly. Like we, I learned an incredible amount about production and, and electronic music from, from Branton during my time in water sports. And uh, yeah, um, after that, um, we kind of like... Um, I don't even want to say that we went our separate ways because we kind of did like we're still sort of making music and talking about making music but I think we just both got busy with our own separate projects um so I kind of moved away from that and used all of the kind of experience that I'd gained in that in that band to kind of start working on my own thing 
Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where Cane Price came from is it was, it's a lot of like at home, um, like home studio stuff that, you know, that I picked up along the way in my old bands. In a interview you did with uh, Range Magazine back in 2021, you described your debut EP open call as an introduction to the fictional character of Kane Price and everything he is capable of. Who is Kane Price and what makes him tick? Mm, damn. I've never been asked that question. Digging but that's a, into... Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a really good question. Um, I would say... Uh, I, think, I think that the whole um, kind of guiding principle of of this project and and a lot of the stuff that kind of um informs my music making is is sort of this idea of like just like a general anxiety and kind of malaise about um i guess just kind of like i don't want to say like living in the in the digital age because i think that's that's a little played at this point but i think it's just i think there's kind of a um undercurrent of like of sort of anxiety in the culture right now and i kind of invented this kane price character as like a personification of that um because you know it's like i was writing all this music and, and a lot of the lyrics were, were all about kind of like confusion and anxiety and fear and and that kind of thing and i was like this isn't me like i don't i don't feel this way all the time um and I don't want to come across as feeling this way all the time. So I almost kind of like created this alter ego to be like, this is a guy that, that that's what he represents is just this kind of like, yeah, I guess just a, a fear. Um, and like a, an anxiety about kind of like being online or, or kind of just existing day to day. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of the, and, and that's, that's like a big, that's a big theme that runs through open call is that it's like talking a lot about, um, you know, uh, just kind of like being frustrated by the day-to-day and like not really being sure what to do with with what the time you have and like that kind of thing and um yeah i think that's that's kind of what's behind the whole the whole project in general and what all these new songs are about as well certainly though some of the anxiety that you explore in uh the lyrics for uh came price must be reflective of some lived experience oh yeah definitely i mean it's um yeah i i would i would probably consider myself a pretty anxious person um just generally um and i think that's why this project has been a really good outlet for that um and uh yeah i mean i kind of hope that the project serves as sort of like a relatability piece for like a lot of people because i i think i think that's like kind of the um the reason that i write about these things too is that i want other people to feel that you know it's not uh it's not bad to feel that way and that everybody kind of does. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think it, it, I think it just comes from kind of my day to day. Um, it just got to the point where like, I was like, this is all I'm writing about, but it's not all I'm feeling. So, um, yeah, hence the, the fictional character. I've often thought that in some cases it's easier to write from a place of negativity or like, you know, there's more sad Mm -hmm. songs than happy songs in the world. So Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, which I think, and it, you know, I mean, it makes sense why that is. I think that we, as humans, when we feel our, when our feelings are their strongest, it is really when they're, when they're, uh, it's like suffering's more universal than 
happiness yeah oof <laughs> yeah honestly man it's yeah well, i just got bleak <laughs> it's yeah it's so bleak but it's so true i mean that's um it's funny i was just talking with a buddy of mine uh alex morrison who is the um his band is called the history of gunpowder oh yeah shit yeah yeah alex. yeah yeah, yeah um, i gotta have him on the show Give oh. a shout out to alex like hey we gotta right on yeah shout out to alex something um out. well yeah we'll get him in here i'll yeah. uh i'll i'll send him a message but yeah he was uh i was over at his place the other day and uh um, he was making a really good point about that, like talking about how he like recently got into uh, or has been like reading about Buddhism and about, um, you know, don't quote me on this because I haven't fact checked this at all, but about how like it's like the idea, uh, one of the big ideas in it is that life is suffering, um, but not in a bad way, you know, that it's just like that's just something you need to come to terms with mm-hmm. and kind of just like understand um, in order to kind of move forward. Um so yeah, I think it all kind of makes sense why sad music is fun and great and we all love it so much. Yeah. Yeah, I know with Buddhism the idea is to to really <laughs> to boil down a the uh, centuries old philosophy into a really trite statement. It's like go with the flow. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And um and I think maybe that's kind of like the benefit in of you know, sad music is that it kind of gives you that catharsis and allows you to to move on with your life mm-hmm. to kind of just let it out it's like the sonic equivalent of like having a good cry yeah <laughs> yeah totally speaking of uh more melancholic artists mm. uh when i listen to kane price i hear shades of james blake jeff buckley and alex g what artists inspire you i'm curious as to how close i was with that uh you were almost like on the money <laughs> <laughs> like jeff jeff uh jeff buckley and james blake um, I I literally put those names in my like artist bios when I send like press kits off to nice. like, like uh, <laughs> festivals and, and and venues and stuff. So that's a hundred percent. You're right. Um, I think especially in the production side of things, um, James Blake has been a huge uh, a huge touchstone for I think all of the stuff I'm making. Um, but yeah, yeah, James Blake, uh, Jeff Buckley. Um, I have people compare my voice to Anoni a lot. I did read that mm-hmm. when I was doing uh, preparation for this for this talk. Yeah, which I would honestly kind of agree with. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's an influence because um, it wasn't what I was like shooting for, but I, I see the similarities for for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't really know. I kind of just uh, take the influences as they come. You know, I think I have some some big ones like the ones that you you nailed, uh, <laughs> but. But yeah, I kind of just take pieces, like bits and pieces from all sorts of stuff. Um, I do really enjoy um, kind of like that like Laurel Canyon folk scene. I've been getting into that a lot lately. Like, um, you know, like Joni and... Uh, and um, I love my Joni. Hell yeah, man. And yeah. like the the uh, the birds. Why am I spacing on... Trying to think who else like Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah, I want to. I want to say Fleetwood Mac, but no, they were English. They weren't in that scene. Yeah, yeah. But like you know, I think of like seventies like folky chill stuff, and like it's Fleetwood Mac. They're like the kings of it. So totally, yeah. yeah. Kings and, and queens, I should say. Yeah, but yeah, they're um, they're just their songwriting. I think I like really love just that in that era. There's the 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 musicality of it was like it was great. It was so cool what they were doing. Oh, hundred percent. I need to listen to some of that stuff a bit more because I know like Crosby, Stills and Nash especially is really rewarding mm-hmm. and like, you know, Joni's Joni. I've, I've loved Joni for years. Oh, so. yeah. She's, yeah. she's I really the greatest. Need, I really need to get blue on final. Yeah. Yeah. 
I gotta listen to Blue the whole way through. Yeah, I've listen still, to it the whole way through. I never have. I listen to like I've got favorites off of it, and like mm. I think I've listened to it in chunks, you know, but not like forward to back, which I still got to do that because man, that record rocks. What's your favorite song? Um, a case of you. Oh, that one's good. Yeah, yeah, I like Carrie. Um, ooh, yeah, good yeah. choice. Yeah, I think it was I heard uh, how I wound up hearing about Blue was I oddly enough on like CBC Radio they played Carrie. Mm. by Joni Mitchell gotta get that CanCon in there but like <laughs> yeah it's just like holy shit the song's great and it's yeah. like one of that it's bittersweet but it's one of the happier songs on the yeah on the record too did you see that uh that video where she did that concert I saw a little bit of it and I was just like oh my god <laughs> dude I cried yeah <laughs> it was amazing yeah oh dude like people on stage were crying yeah while they were doing it yeah 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 oh, man, that was so oh, good. god bless Joni Mitchell yeah yeah takes a lot of yeah, a lot of guts to like, especially, unfortunately, because of the health challenges she's had, like going mm-hmm. up there and doing that, like that's incredible. Oh, yeah, it was powerful. It was touching. You're self-described as a uh, bedroom folk artist, doing some air quotes here, mm. uh, and you make music out of your uh, own home studio, which you touched on a bit earlier. I'm curious as to what your setup is like. Um, I've got a follow-up question attached to that too. Nice, yeah. Uh I'm I man I'm always working on my on my setup. I feel like it's gone through so many different iterations at this point. Um but a lot of the music making process for me is is like uh there's a lot of acoustic guitar. Acoustic guitar features heavily in like most of the music and that, and that I just have like my little microphone and I I I play the play the guitar um just kind of normally um super normal processing on it and stuff as well. Um, and then probably like almost everything else is electronic. Uh, so yeah, like the, the drums are electronic. If you hear, um, uh, like an organ or like pianos or whatever, those are all sampled and like everything is, yeah. So I'm pretty like a lot of what I've done in the past has been mostly just like voice vocals vocals <laughs> and guitar, um, are, are real. And then everything else is digital. Um, but uh but yeah i've been getting really into um modular synthesis lately so i'm starting to build a modular system that i think is going to become like on this next record that's going to become like the beating heart of of all of these tracks subject to kind of however you want them to sound like it's it's not like a normal synth where you buy it and uh you know you have this this bank of like what it what sounds you can make with it these this one is like really you can just build it to sound however you like it to sound so custom synth exactly it's a custom synth so i think yeah i think this is going to be important for the new record because it's going to i think make i think it's going to blur the line between real and like quote unquote fake um or digital or synthesized even more so a lot of the stuff that you're going to hear in the new record is going to be um indistinguishable from real like it's going to be like you might hear a bell and not know whether that's a real bell or whether it's a synth thing that i made now i'm curious uh especially you know with home recording like it's just natural that you use you know midi and samples for whatever instruments that you can't play or you just don't have the Mm -hmm. ability to record in your space but in your case is it more um that's also informs like the style of the project as well is that you want to have as many electronics as elements as possible besides of course your voice and guitar yeah i i yeah um for a couple of reasons i i've chosen to do that i mean the first of which is that i just love that kind of music um i like if i knew how to make 
like club music if i knew how to make like like hip-hop i would um i just don't you know and i'm and i'm forever gonna be a folk musician whether i like it or not um but then the other reason is um i think uh I think it just really lends itself well to that kind of like kind of anxiety thing that I was talking about earlier. And, and a, another big theme that runs through a lot of my music is like this idea of loneliness, you know, that, that everybody's becoming a little more distant from each other, you know, as, as time goes on and, um, you know, and that the internet, it connects us all, but it makes us all even further apart kind of, I know again, that's like really well-trod territory, mm-hmm. but, um, but I think, so that's a lot of, that's a big reason why a lot of the music ends up being sampled and like digital and stuff because like you're constrained by being alone. Like it's like, that's another reason I do it is cause I'm by myself. It's like, I don't know how to play a saxophone. So I guess I'll just sample a saxophone, you know? Um, and that's kind of the big, yeah, the big reason why it's, it's, it's got all that electronic stuff in it is cause it kind of drives home the point that it's like the person that made this was by themselves. Yeah. And, uh, and read it that way. So follow-up question to that is, what's the weirdest sample program or piece of equipment that you love working with? Um, oh, man. That's, oh, that's such a good question. I, uh, I, it would have to be a tie. Um, it, I think it would be either um, there's this, there's this uh, sample pack that you can download off of the Ableton website. Um, I wish I could remember exactly how to how to find it because I feel like the listeners will will love this and and people will want to try and find it. But there's this sample pack you can download off of the Ableton website that's like all it's like every drum machine that's ever existed. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's like it's like it's got the 808 in there, uh, all of the Roland ones. It's like got the 707 and the 303. Um, but then it's also got like really weird like the Emu system drums from like way back and like. Um, yeah, it's just got it's got everything. So it's like this, and it's I've used that for for almost every single track has like um, samples from that library because it's just like really fun to have these like historic quote unquote drum kits um, in there. And then I guess the other piece of wacky equipment that I I love is my uh, my bouzouki, although I wouldn't I guess count that as an electronic thing. Um, but it's this it's like a a bazooki is essentially a mandolin, but huge. It's like a baritone mandolin. Oh wow! I didn't yeah. even know they made those. Yeah, they're. Uh, Do you they still s- play them the same way? Yeah, yeah, and I think there's. I th- I'm pretty sure they're tuned the same way as well. Hmm. Um, yeah, they sound great, and mine is. Uh, mine's got a really good pickup on it, so like I'll record in to my songs, and then like really mess with the audio um, of the bazooki. So it's like, it's in a lot of my songs, but you wouldn't know because it sounds so like messed up. I always love hearing uh, just uh, less common um, guitar-ish string instruments. Yeah. That stuff's really cool. And yeah, I, I hadn't even, uh, I wasn't even aware that that was an instrument. Yeah. So it's, no, it's, it's wild. There is so much like weird stringed stuff out there. A buddy of mine, my, my friend Wes was showing me a, a baritone guitar uh, the oh, other, yeah. a while ago and I didn't know those were a thing. Yeah, they're like, great. Uh, band I'm in, uh, we did some recording with the Baritone Electric. Oh, did you? Yeah. That's sick. It's like a Dan Electro as well. Like, oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, they're, they're like, how much, what are they tuned to? Are they like really deep? Oh, that actually is a good question. I don't know what the exact tuning would be. Huh. Yeah, those things are sweet though. Yeah. They sound so good. Yeah, you get like that, uh, kind of like that in-between spot between what a guitar and a bass would sound like on the mm-hmm. on the song. And I know some bands that, 
uh, where they do two guitars. Uh, like well, Sleater Kenny, famously, like I think one of them uses a baritone guitar uh, instead of having a bass player in the band. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah, damn, I have to go back and and listen to those tracks again. See if I can pick out the the great big guitar. Well, yeah, because there's always the low end in that stuff. That's the thing that I always find funny with um, uh, duos where they don't have a bass bassist mm-hmm. is like well you still need a low end in there yeah like you gotta uh, you gotta do something you gotta find something yeah <laughs> you can't just have it yeah. <laughs> yeah you know just be well you can but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah totally we've touched on this a bit uh though your music features vocal layering electronic textures and unconventional song structures when you are in a creative headspace how do you decide when to add or subtract certain sonic elements from specific songs um man that's a that's a man you're asking some some awesome questions that i try my best (laughs) i've never been asked before um i i would have to say that like i think the whole process for me is like um in order to get to that to that place of like having the unconventional song structures or whatever i think i'll usually like write something um that's really basic for lack of a better word um and then try and remove aspects or mess with aspects um, to get it sounding kind of weird. Um, so it's like I'll, I'll write something and I'll, I'll kind of sit on it for a couple of days and then just be like, yeah, this chord progression is too odd. So I'll like I'll find like a different voicing for a chord or or um, you know or or ostensibly just throw something into the mix that I feel is not the immediate choice, you know. Like I like I'll write something that that seems really like oh of course that's how it would go, um, and then take a piece of it out and like mm. kind of try and mess with it. So like actually this one of the most recent tracks that I've worked on and that's going to be coming out kind of soon was written in that way um, where I I just removed tempo from it entirely. Like I was like I'm you know what I'm going to make a song that just doesn't have a fixed tempo because it's going to make me uncomfortable and it's going to make the listener uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it would have been a really basic song, to be honest. So there isn't any. I'm trying to envision it. Envision what I'd be listening to. So there isn't like a there isn't like a drum track to it, or no. And it just like speeds up and slows down all over the place. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. And there's just it's like it's like a it's almost like a droning kind of like guitar part as well. It's a yeah. It's a weird a weird track. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing it. That yeah. sounds uh that sounds pretty out there. We had the art pop artist Walgren on the show for our 2022 season mm. and uh we talked a bit about how they use the human voice as an instrument in their music. Which leads me to ask like what is your approach to vocals in your music? I mean to my ears you're definitely doing more than just singing leads. Oh yeah, for sure. Um I mean first off shout out to Tegan uh that music is incredible and like do you get to listen to the the album uh yeah it's, it's really good it's so <laughs> sick um yeah i'm forever impressed by like everything that that they put out it's like just like banger after banger but um um yeah i think i think uh i mean i'm a sucker for harmonies um that's like my my absolute favorite thing to do um i uh grew up learning through singing um like I, I sang in church when I was a kid, uh, and then I sang in a, a jazz choir when I was a little older. Um, 
so yeah i think a lot of that just kind of like rubbed off on me and now every time i make music i'm just like this needs to have tons of of vocal stuff on it like vocals need to be the center i think because that's just what i'm most familiar working with um yeah and so yeah i just stack vocals i create a lot of harmonies and then i think i'm also just like really fascinated by just the sounds that a person's mouth and throat can make um which is why like a lot of my music and i get people comment on this a lot um and it's definitely deliberate but like a lot of the stuff that i do you can hear like weird like mouth sounds and like weird airy kind of like gasps and that kind of thing um i think just because i'm really interested in that kind of stuff yeah there's um of course i can't remember how to pronounce the name of the song but there's a song <laughs> there's a track on uh open call and search the v so yep. maybe you can help me out with the song title um yeah that one i'm, I'm probably gonna mispronounce it too <laughs> you wrote the song i know but that one's called <laughs> Ver- Nungen, um which is a uh it's actually a very funny story about that song um so, so that that's a word i i read in this this book um called of god and man by zygmunt bauman and he he uses the word in the book to describe um interactions between people that that aren't um earnest uh like you know when people are like they just want to to hang out with you because they want something or they Mm. you know they're trying to like social climb or whatever and um you know these like hollow human interactions or whatever and it, it it the root of the the word was was german um and my friend amelia who um helped do some photography um with me uh a while back uh is from poland and, sh- and she she has many friends who who speak german uh and right before i released that song she sent me a message and was like hey matt like i don't know if you know this but like that's not a real word <laughs> she's like I've, t- I've talked to all of my german friends and they're like that's not that doesn't mean anything <laughs> um so yeah i guess the author of this book just like made that word up uh. so i uh i tell that story on stage a lot it gets a gets a good laugh wouldn't be the first author to invent words yeah yeah and the book is like it's like a philosophy book which those Mm. those guys love doing that oh yeah like uh you know i I read some philosophy when i was doing my undergrad and uh Mm -hmm. man do they love uh creating definitions of like oh i'm gonna cram all these ideas together into a a syllabic mess of a word yeah yeah they love it yeah they might they gotta be stopped honestly (laughs) what's the what's the big one I, uh, of course I can't remember but there's a really long silly one that's supposed to be like about like an anti-establishment political order but yeah I'll have to think of it <laughs> just a huge mouthful yeah, yeah. And we'll just be texting each other ones later yeah just like, like oh like, this one yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I remember it was a joke in a uh in a in a cartoon I was watching oh yeah it's like in that class is what this means <laughs> <laughs> random stray neurons just firing right now <laughs> um but yeah but with that song specifically like you do some it's again kind of hard to describe but there's some vocal stuff that's going on that's you know just uh more than just you doing vocals and harmony Mm -hmm. yeah no definitely there's um and there's a lot of stuff in that one too actually that's like uh i'm pretty sure um i can't remember because i recorded this one so long ago but i'm pretty sure that i when i was recording that um i would just record like stuff in the background uh just like just like shouts of like like i would just be like yeah and like then just like put that in way in the background of the song so you can like barely hear it um but there's like a ton of that stuff in there too which i just yeah i just love doing that kind of stuff because it's just it's weird and it 
I don't know. It's like a weird ear candy thing that I think people like hearing in songs. It's like making a weird choir of your own voice. Mm-hmm. I know there's a Canadian artist um, whose uh, work I haven't listened to that much, uh, but I know they're they're very uh, well regarded. Uh, Tanya Tagak. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't listened to their stuff that much either, but like, yeah, that's. I mean, I should honestly. Yeah, I feel like that's probably like the gold standard in Canada of like what you can do with your voice. Mm-hmm. And I believe a lot of the roots have, and I uh, apologize if I'm not getting the, the, um, the, uh, the, the nation correct, but it has its roots in, in broadly pan Inuit music. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, I think, yeah, someone might correct me on that. And again, I apologize for not <laughs> knowing it, all the details, but I know, uh, tiny is of, uh, indigenous ancestry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Music is so good. Um, but yeah definitely i think yeah and i think uh i think there's a lot that can be done in that in that sphere of music i think the voice is just um capable of so much um and it's like yeah i think it's a fun thing to explore as an artist to to draw a weird comparison for for myself that's what i appreciate about certain styles of of metal is just the extremity to which um, some of those artists take the human voice. Yes. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. You just sound like a monster or yeah. a banshee or something. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. I remember somebody was telling me this, that they were like, a lot of these metal artists are like, like classically trained vocalists. Cause they're like, you can't, you can't make your voice sound like that without knowing exactly how your like vocal cords work mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing. So, and if you want to uh, maintain a career, uh, doing vocals like that you also like really got to take care of yourself yeah yeah what was the who is the guy that like was it the cannibal corpse guy that like didn't he wasn't doing it right there was like one I guy that think yeah. it was the guy from sepultura yeah yeah who, like famously like was doing it ap- like the wrongest way you yeah. could possibly do it and now it just basically talks like this man because like his his voice is completely blown out poor guy yeah <laughs> it's a, a psa yeah <laughs> any <laughs> listeners who are uh thinking about vocalists and metal bands or anyone like yeah. doing stuff like that you gotta be smart <laughs> yeah yeah be kind to your voice kids. Yeah. there's a um actually um i'm probably gonna pr- like pronounce this wrong but uh nimjiam or paypako i think is another name for it um it's like an herbal uh throat soothing like a medicinal throat soothing thing that you can get at a lot of the uh um like chinese grocery stores uh Man, I'm going off on a huge tangent. <laughs> That's all right. But like a lot of vocalists I know use that stuff. And uh, to the folks at home, if you guys, if you ever see it, grab it. It's it's not only is it like really good for your throat, um, but it tastes so good. Mm. Yeah. So in instances where you have performed with a live band, uh, the group more closely resembles a traditional folk ensemble with the electronic elements of your sound noticeably absent or muted. What do you find fulfilling about presenting your songs in a different context live than on the recordings? Um I I find it I I find it fulfilling in the sense that like I know a lot of I know a lot of people and I I feel like this is maybe a bit of a divisive kind of topic but I know a lot of people go to shows and they kind of want it to sound like the record. Um I kind of disagree with that. Like I almost like it when I like show up to a show and like they're playing all the songs, but they're like really super different. Um, so that's kind of one of the reasons that I, that I like to do that is cause I like, I like when people show up and I've just got this big like folk band and people are like, what the hell is this? <laughs> um, 
but then i think another one of the and and probably like the bigger reason why um a lot of my stuff doesn't feature that is because i honestly just don't know how um i uh have all these like studio tricks kind of figured out about like how to how to uh get like samples going and how to how to mess with audio in a specific way but then trying to replicate that on stage um is often more difficult than it seems and i haven't really had the time to put put something properly together so hopefully in the future i'm i'm still uh playing just by myself right now but um i'm hoping to put a band together very soon um and i'm gonna try and kind of bring that back and like have people playing like samplers and synthesizers and stuff and yeah really making that a bigger part of things yeah and kind of related to that have you thought about recording with a more with more classic folk instrumentation yeah i definitely have um one of the uh a thing that i've kind of recently learned in my music career um that i'm a little ashamed to admit i've learned it this late in the game um is how to write chord sheets and like tablature for your music so that you can get session players to play it for you um and I've kind of now gained enough of a confidence in doing that, that I think I'm feeling a little bit better about bringing people in and like being like, here's how the song goes. I've written the progression out and like, here's what I think we could play. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about, I've been toying about that idea um, with the new record is just like kind of, cause um, I work a lot with Connor head. Who's uh, he works at a catalog studios in Victoria Um so I'm kind of thinking about him and I have been chatting about me going back there and I think I might just invite a bunch of friends out because um, I know a bunch of people who play all sorts of things and just like, yeah, just having him come out and giving him a chord sheet and being like, if you want to be on this record, like, let's do it. Nice. Yeah. yeah uh, always a good excuse to get out to the island to record. It's uh Oh, a hundred percent. It's yeah. It's so fun. It's like a little vacation. But, um, but yeah, so yeah, I think there will be some, some more instrumentation in the new stuff um but not a huge amount because i really still want to keep that electronic side of things that we talked about like i still kind of want it to feel like bedroom music or like lonely music yeah because yeah, again it it ties into i guess the thematic or symbolic <laughs> elements of the the project itself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i've often thought that you know, the future for a lot of genres of music might lie in incorporating more and more electronic elements, obviously to a point. Um, that being said, you know, folk, country, bluegrass occupy a space that very much values tradition. Mm-hmm. Does the, <laughs> now this is there's a bit of a, there's a bit of an out there question, but does the future of folk lie in electronic experimentation? I, yeah, I would say so. I I would say so because I feel like, um, I I feel like it's it's because I agree with you. I think that a lot of folk music is like it's very rooted in tradition, and I think a lot of it will stay that way. Um, but I think that it's long overdue for kind of a a new phase of things, and I feel like people did kind of play with that in like the anti folk. Um, like west coast movements of like the 90s at least i think it was the 90s um but i i feel like there's more that could be done you know and i think i think 
electronic music is sort of becoming an inevitability for a lot of a lot of bands these days um and that line is getting blurred like it's like i feel like less and less people are caught calling their projects electronic um when they are you know yeah um so yeah i kind of feel like that's um you know not necessarily that i feel like folk should move that way um i just think that it will um because everything will uh in in my opinion at least speaking for myself if i was ever to do a solo project like mean vocals and uh instrumental accompaniment i'd be inclined to like have like synths Mm -hmm. and like uh you know just like keys and stuff like that um partially because and this is no knock to you know uh acoustic guitars and, and stuff like that but there's part of me that finds that like you really got to stand out, especially as a white dude <laughs> with an acoustic guitar yeah. uh, against a, a sea of other white de- guys with acoustic guitars. Whereas if you got something else going on, like yeah. uh, a perfect example um, is um, this is again, might be a weird example, but the, the band magical clouds. Yeah. I think I find that band infinitely more interesting because it's a vocalist with a, uh, with a synth player. Yeah. As opposed to like the vocalist with, just like a more traditional like folk band attached Mm -hmm. to them yeah yeah that's and that's i feel like that's such a good point um like because i i think that like folk at least at least the type of folk that i'm playing is largely like a solitary um venture uh like it's yeah like you said it's like people just it's voice and it's guitar um and i just feel like in this day and age um not to sound too cliched or anything but i'm like we're getting bombarded with so much information that it's just like yeah it's just a, an acoustic guitar and a person singing unless they're really good just can't really hold your attention anymore um like it used to uh so yeah i kind of feel like maybe that's another kind of um driving force behind the kind of electronification of a lot of music is that it's like yeah if you're just by yourself and you're just playing guitar like good luck <laughs> yeah um because yeah that's just i think it's it's just a lot harder to hold people's attention these days gotta gotta stand out gotta be saying something new Mm -hmm. which is always the challenge yeah definitely it's uh well as we kind of touched on especially with um with songwriting there's certain paths that your brain goes towards when it comes to like assembling a part where you're like oh okay yeah that should that chord should follow that chord yeah you're like oh because i've heard that like you know in my like the back of my brain like i've heard that sort of structure yeah, before totally and i mean i feel like that's one of the that's like the attention killer too um i mean i i most of the i think most of the folk artists i've seen have been incredible and like that i'm always blown away but like you know occasionally someone will come around where they play they play something and you're just like i know where this is gonna go or like i know how this song's gonna end and, mm-hmm. and as soon as you you know as soon as you clock into what is going to happen then yeah you just like lose interest and lose attention and you're like okay i've heard of this a million times yeah it's like the the challenge i have with um with pop music i i love pop music of course but i'm very particular about especially like top 40 pop artists that i choose to follow and listen to like really get into listening to because there's some stuff that's just wallpaper where it's yeah. just like, yep, four chords. I know yeah. where that chord's going to go. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Like, oh, it's, oh, there's absolutely nothing going on in the verse and this is just, the whole song is just this chorus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, this would be, this is nice to like, I guess, put on in the background while I'm like 
reading an instruction manual or something <laughs> or getting groceries <laughs> yeah, or something. getting groceries yeah i i recall and i i texted um uh uh, uh david who i'm uh, uh in band with i was at the grocery store this week and they were playing some pop song yeah. uh that like and the chorus uh i'm obviously there's a lot more repetition in the chorus but like the 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 words in the chorus went i'm on my way our love is on fire whoa oh oh and i was just like oh my god <laughs> oh man that rocks yeah. <laughs> oh i'm on my way our love <laughs> <laughs> i was just listening to it and i'm like just like speaking of ai generated stuff like <laughs> yeah it's so funny it's like i man it's so funny because i mean i feel like that's like a never-ending debate where you know i you know i have these conversations with people and sometimes people are like oh you're just being pretentious and i'm like that may be true but i'm like you can't deny that there are you know there is music out there where you hear it and you're like are you serious (laughs) exactly like love is on fire whoa whoa. (laughs) there's there's nothing wrong with like you know again having that intentionality of like i'm going to write music that's going to appeal to as broad as the mm-hmm. broadest uh it's scientifically proven to appeal to the broadest uh group of people as possible yeah but there's also part of me is like but can you can you challenge people a little <laughs> just give me something <laughs> but yeah. i'm probably the wrong person to talk to about that yeah. as well um you've collaborated on a selection of tracks with uh, victoria-based electronic artist zane coppard mm-hmm. who was actually one of the first guests on pacific sound radio when he and his brother Ulysses were still active as the rock group Smash Boom Pow, like we're talking like 2017, a while ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where do you two find common ground stylistically, and how would you describe the nature of your collaborative process? Um, uh, I, yeah, I, uh, I don't even know. I feel like, I think Zane and I met um, through like mutual friends i think i think we i think we like met at like a a friend get together dinner like years and years ago um and then i don't even know how we ended up making music together like it's just been so long you know those people who are just they've just been in your life for like a long time and you're like and then i guess we kind of started making music um at some point um but yeah i mean i've 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 been inspired by zane i mean since the day we met like i feel like his stuff is just so boundary pushing and and like wild i remember seeing one of his music videos as when he went by thousand petal lotus um that was the name of his project and for the life of me i couldn't remember what the name of that project Mm -hmm. was yeah and he yeah i remember he i can't remember the name of the song but he had this one song that he'd done a, a video to and like man the video was so sick it was so well done and like the music was incredible too and like I think, yeah, I think I was just like blown away by that. And, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I just like really love working with him because I know that he's always going to push the envelope. Um, and like every time he makes something, it's just like, I'm like, how the hell did you think of that? I'm like, how did you get that sound? Like, what it, what have you, what are you doing in there? Like, I'm like, and, and still to this day, like, um, Zane and I are talking about working together more in the future, but like all of the stuff that we've done so far, um, we've done like separately. Like it's like I'll write, I'll write like the the verse or whatever and send it to him, and then he'll work on stuff and send it back, kind of thing. So I still haven't seen inside his studio, and I have no idea what he's doing. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I love the most about about him and about his music is that it's just like 
it's just like this weird black box of like you're like what do, what do you how did you do that <laughs> um so yeah yeah love zane yeah uh from what i remember listening to thousand petal lotus i remember going like yeah this is really out there yeah 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 it's so sweet and uh are you probably working on him with him on more singles or like a collaborative more of a longer form collaborative project or something like that yeah we've we've chatted about it and um it's it's kind of it's tbd at this point i think um i mean him and i would love to to start a project together i'm sure um so i'm i'm i feel like that's going to happen at some point i'm sure that him and i will probably release something as an as a separate project um but for now i think a lot of it will just be like yeah like kane price featuring zane coppard or zane coppard remixed by kane price or featuring kane price or or whatever um but uh but yeah we are actually going to be playing in a separate project together um in the future um that i'm i won't say too much about it because it's not my it's not my project and i don't know how how much they want to be talking about it but um but yeah so this is in this capacity though zane is he's a a drummer by 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 trade Mm -hmm. um and so he'll be playing drums in this project and i'm going to be playing guitar and and backup singing so that'll be kind of new territory for him and i yeah uh especially in your case you'll be taking the, the back seat yeah on the vocals so yeah which i am overjoyed about i'm like i just not being the front man yeah. is, is nice <laughs> there's so much more work involved yeah there really is there uh man i was playing i've 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 recently been getting into that being been like trying to play um a little more supportive stuff um lately and i was like playing bass for for a friend of mine's band and yeah that shit is hard it's it's like when you haven't written it it's so hard to learn it. <laughs> I don't know, but see, I have the opposite problem. I I find it more challenging to to write a complete idea, yeah. than uh than learn someone else's stuff. But oh, that's funny. Maybe it's just because like I've just been bassist. Like I've always been the support guy in every band I've been in. Sure. So yeah, yeah. You covered Clay Pigeons by country artist Blaze Foley, which mm-hmm. was in turn covered by the legendary uh, John Prine and even more legendary actor Michael Sarah. Mm. I really like your version with the washed out guitar and the vocoded vocals. What to you makes for a great cover? Oh, I would say um, a couple of things. Um, the first of which, and I think I'm going to get the most controversial opinion out of the way first. Um, I think it should be a song that not many people are familiar with, or at least, I mean, I guess that is counterintuitive to the fact that I covered Clay Pigeons because a lot of people know that song. Um, but like, I kind of like digging through the archive and like finding something that's maybe a little like, um, I think Clay Pigeons is a bad example because like people do know that song. Um, but yeah it's just it's just like fun to play something that people are just like oh what's who's this by um so i think that's a big one and then two um i would say that uh just putting something in it that wasn't there before or removing something that was critical to the song um because yeah i'm like i think i think playing a cover uh that's the same as the song is fun if it's just like you're doing it with friends um but I'm like, if I don't know, I'm like, if you're trying to make a performance out of it, I feel like you should do something weird with it. Um, 
So that's kind of why I did that with the Clay Pigeons cover, that weird like vocoder thing. Because I was trying to think, I was like, what can I do to this that'll make it different? Um, so yeah, that's what I would say. Add something that wasn't there before or take something away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, that mentality kind of ties into, you know, when I think of some of like, the greatest covers ever, like that's what's great about it is that it stands on its own two legs almost as its own separate entity to the original mm-hmm. song. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like the biggest. I have you ever heard the um, Hallelujah, the Jeff Buckley cover? Which one? Oh, oh no, ju- just Jeff Buckley. Yeah, yeah. Okay, when him and the guitar. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about uh, uh, like the Leonard Cohen Hallelujah yeah, cover. Yeah. Just like, dude, everyone's covered Every- that. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of songs that have been covered to death, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's like I feel like that one. That man, if the if you haven't heard Jeff Buckley, oh, one, I have. Yeah. Oh, you have. Yeah, I, w- I went down to Seattle in like uh, September, and we went through a record store. Mm-hmm. The three records I picked up were uh, a Buzzcock singles "Going Steady" because mm-hmm. I've wanted to have that on vinyl for years. Um, uh, the last Talk Talk album nice. the title escapes me at the moment, but it's one with the tree on the cover, and it's just gorgeous. Yeah, uh, and um, Grace yeah. by Jeff Buckley. It's a good album, yeah. man. Um, Corpus Christi Choir on that record. That song is so, so good. I love uh, Lilac Wine. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, oh, my favorite song is uh, uh, Lover You Should Have Come Over. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that video of him like it, just performing it solo, like at like a small club? And no. then like the footage back, black and white, I got to send it to you. Yeah. Like, please like, do. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's such a good cover. Damn. Yeah. That, what, what more can I say about Jeff Buckley's rendition of Hallelujah? It's kind of like the rendition of it. Yeah. Now that I think about it, like everyone who has tried to interpolate that song since has just kind of defaulted to what Jeff did. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. That's so, yeah, people just kind of play his version now. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess that's that's the sign of a good cover. I think, it's, books. I think it's another one of those cases where like, you know, uh, no disrespect to Mr. Leonard Cohen, but... uh uh, uh, in Jeff's case, like Jeff, kind of blew him out of the water when it comes to the vocal performance. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, find that with a lot of Dylan covers. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, people yeah. just always do a better, yes, <laughs> better. Or job actually, here's a here's a perfect example. I'm not sure if you've heard this one, but I love this cover. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, I want to say some country folk band from the '70s called Prelude, mm-hmm. and they did an acapella cover of "After the Gold Rush" by Neil Young. Oh, and it's like they basically it's the three part harmony, but the way that they record it, they like their vocals sound gigantic, and it's just it's beautiful. Damn, yeah. we got to get like a running list going of stuff you gotta yeah. send me after this. Oh, absolutely, that sounds like right up my alley. Yeah, I could play it. I play a bit for for you before we wrap this up, Hell or yeah. well, after we wrap it up. <laughs> I'm gonna play something during the <laughs> recording. Oh, yeah. That'd be silly. Um, what makes you want to interpolate someone else's song? Like what drives you? I'm sure you've got some other songs in mind that you're like, oh, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the, I really, yeah, for, I think for a couple of reasons, like I'll, I like the exercise of, of, of doing a cover. I think it's just like fun to, to, um, to do, yeah, to play someone's el- someone else's music. And I think I also just kind of like the um, sort of just general like folk tradition of, of covering other people's music. Um, Cause I think a lot of the times like my own ideas can get really stale. Um, so yeah, it's fun to just like pick up a different chord progression or, or a different, uh, a different tune and kind of try and try and have my, 
my fun with that. I often forget with uh, especially early, a lot of the early um, like British invasion bands in the sixties, the f- their first couple albums were really just like covers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's like it's like yeah. oh they've got one original song on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and there's like I think there's a lot to be said with like with covers. I think they're they're a very powerful um, tool for a musician, both to like just become a better musician and also just to like mm-hmm. I don't know breathe new life into into an, an existing piece of art um man i should mention actually on the topic of covers that um catlin has to the folks at home is a mutual friend of ours yes um who, has, who i gave uh, a shout out on vox rea so catlin will appreciate another shout out oh hell yeah a recent episode oh yeah 604 yeah. records uh yeah. yeah yeah um he uh he has asked he's been asking me for for a, like over a year now to uh cover um simple things or no what is it called um i've forgotten the name simple things is the name of the record uh zero seven i have seen he's been asking me to cover i have seen by zero seven for a very long time um and i'm doing it catlin if you're listening i'm working on it right now uh, i haven't forgotten i can hear catlin's reaction in in my head right now yeah. <laughs> to that sound bite so yeah you you've got you got your uh you got your confirmation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You heard it here first. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you recently dropped your first music video for the song, Please. Mm-hmm. How would you describe this clip, and how do you feel it complements the vibe of the song? Because I have my own thoughts on that. But Yeah. I This one is, this was such a, a fun project. It was um, my friend uh, Chase Spence, who is a um, recent graduate from Cap U and their film program. Um, and he, uh, has kind of slowly been building this portfolio of, of music related videography projects. So he's, he's done, um, a lot of live videos for like a lot of, a lot of friends of mine, um, friends of ours, I should say. And, uh, he, um, as, as his final project for, for his, for his film, um, major, he was, uh, to direct a video of his choosing um below a certain i think it was like up to like 10 minutes or something and so um he asked me if i wanted to do it and the he chose the song um and that's actually an older song of mine that you can listen to on Bandcamp. there's like a really bad version of it from when i first started learning how to record um and he yeah he was like i want to do this song and i was like okay but you have to let me re-record it um so so yeah so so i recorded this brand new version of this song that's very old like this this song is like like i think i wrote it like five or six years ago um actually probably even longer it's probably like eight years ago but anyways um so so yeah i just kind of gave him he asked me what the song was about uh and i gave him like a rundown of like kind of why i wrote it at the time and that kind of thing and then he just designed this whole music video to it so i had no part in like the the visual aspect at all um yeah that was all chase's idea he wrote the whole um the whole kind of um i i wouldn't say script i guess i don't know what it would call it. i don't know you i don't know any of the videography terms but he 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 did all the concepting um him and him and the film crew like built that big set and uh and yeah it came together and like ended up being amazing yeah and um I'll, I'll kind of give my read of the video and how I think it ties into well the visuals now I think it ties into the the theme of the song is uh you know uh, 
the in the video itself and again like listeners just just check out the video it's gonna i'm gonna sound silly trying to just describe it but basically there's there's a lot of hands mm-hmm. and uh uh there's a lot of disintegration and visual decay going on yeah and my read of that there's one specific instance i'm thinking of where a hand like very sharply disintegrates uh around like during the chorus when you hit that word alone yeah and my read of it is like okay so it's like it's about you know the the end of uh the end of a relationship the disintegration of a relationship the dissolving of a relationship Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely i mean it is about that it's um uh it's a breakup song essentially yeah um yeah and and it's kind of about things falling apart um yeah and a lot of it is uh it's it, i feel like the main kind of theme of the song um at least in the way that i uh described it to chase when we were working on the video was like the idea of like yearning for a past life as well um and how much damage that can do to a person in the present mm-hmm. um so yeah a lot of the a lot of the song talks about kind of yeah just like you know breaking up with with this person um and then just pining over them um after the fact you know uh, instead of just moving on. Um, yeah, and just how damaging that can be. Also kind of reminds me, at least in the visual element, there's a, uh, uh, a gorgeous and really sad uh, Flaming Lips song called Feeling Yourself Disintegrate, which is more specifically about, I think, um, the death of Wayne Cohen's dad to cancer. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that was just something that like that video reminded me of in terms of the the visual presentation yeah yeah definitely um yeah it's um it was great i actually um it's funny i i i was talking to chase about about coming on and chatting with you and i was like trying to get him to come out mm. um as well because i was that like I re- cool. yeah yeah because I, re- I really wanted i was like i really want to get your take on it um about kind of like how he made that visual narrative and stuff but but yeah he was like no it's your music man uh so, so I wanted to confirm who made up the creative team because in my notes I, I I mentioned like Connor had and Chris Mills, but you mentioned there's Chase as well. Yeah, there's there's Chase as well. Um, so yeah, the the creative team I think kind of just ebbs and flows. It's a lot of uh, a lot of people that I whose art I admire and and people who are just who are just good friends of mine. Um, so yeah, so it would be like uh, I mean with with Chase and with the video. Um, there was this huge team of, of people because um, it was like it was essentially his whole graduating class that that helped with this. Um, and you'll notice in the video itself, there's like uh, a puppet show going on behind the thing. There's actually there's people back there like like and they had to every time we shot a take, they would have to like re-perform this puppet show. I didn't even um, notice the puppets in the video. Yeah, it's wild. It's wow. uh, yeah. So there's there's like I think there must have been upwards of like 25 people working on that one. Um, who, I mean, I couldn't even begin to, to name them all. Um, but, uh, but their, their names will be in the, uh, description on the YouTube video for the, for the music video. But in terms of kind of the creative team at large, I would say Chase Spence has done a lot of stuff with like videography. Um, I worked with Chris Mills on the video for Please. Um, and Chris is a, uh, kind of a digital artist that, that, um, works a lot with, with video rendering. Um, so him and I work a lot on that kind of stuff, um, and have plans to, to put some new stuff together in the future for sure. 
Um, and then, yeah, Connor Head helps me uh, a lot with recording. Um, huge shout out to Cameron Gavin, who is um, another mutual friend another of ours. Another mutual friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, who is a, uh, a very good friend of mine who also uh, does all of the engineering um, and like mixing and mastering of the music. Um, yeah. And then kind of just other than that, I mean, like a lot of my photography, I've worked with, um, with Mackenzie Walker um, and um, Emilia uh, Kalka. I, I think I might've mispronounced her name. Um, but, uh, and then Mikey Gabriana has also helped with photography. So um, yeah, I, I think I might be forgetting some names, but um yeah i'm just i'm so happy to and lucky to be able to have like this huge group of friends that um is just kind of always down to to help and yeah so yeah i guess to answer your question i don't really have a a, a set creative team i just kind of have friends who are who are down to help oh shalane beach also my beautiful um wonderful um talented smart and funny partner um who has designed more things for me than i can remember honestly like whether it's show posters um album covers she is a creative powerhouse what do you have in mind for future music videos i know this one just dropped but i'm sure you're already thinking of the next project yeah i don't really know in terms of video stuff like um i'm i'm yeah i'm i'm open to anything really um i think it's because it's so outside of my wheelhouse um that i haven't even really given it too much thought to be honest um yeah i'm just excited to i think i'm I'm less excited about what i about making videos than i am with working with videographers you know um because i'm very much when it comes to that kind of stuff i'm the type of guy that's just like just do what you want like take my music and and run with it kind of thing yeah um film's also just a it's a beautiful process but it's also a can be an agonizingly slow process yeah yeah definitely so yeah i think for the future like i do really want to do a lot more video stuff um but i think it's just going to be a question of like finding folks who want to who want to be a part of this Mm -hmm. um and uh and then just taking it from there yeah with uh again like chris mills art being very featured prominently in the please music video uh it leads me to ask uh you know, or bring up the topic that, you know, AI generated art and digital media has grown in popularity, mm-hmm. uh, thanks to the ease of access to free creation tools online. Mm-hmm. The merit or value of this content has become a hotly debated topic though. Curious as to what your stance is on that. Yeah. It's um it's funny. I like I, I actually I recently heard this in a in a, a podcast I was listening to. Um somebody somebody described this so well and i'm like i couldn't describe it better myself but um they were like ai um is like is ai is to art like sketching is to art or tracing sorry like tracing is to art um tracing is a really valuable tool and it can be a stepping stone towards creating um really incredible art but it is not not art in itself um and i would say the same about ai um kind of image or or video generation is that it's like yeah if you if you put a prompt into an ai generator um and then that's all you do then then i mean i don't know i wouldn't really consider that like very groundbreaking um 
But I think what's really incredible about using AI as a tool, and I think what made Chris's work so incredible, um, is that it's like, I mean, a lot of what he was doing was it just used it to 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 get to an end. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think I can't remember. I I would you you know have to ask him because like I don't know the first thing about this kind of stuff. But I think he used it as a way to um, give the video a false sense of depth. Like he like used a certain algorithm that kind of like guessed um, where this like digital camera was positioned or or how it was like. So yeah, it was it was. It was interesting. It was like, it wasn't an AI generated video. It was just a video that used AI to create a certain effect, which I think, I think that's kind of where the future of art making is going as people are going to start using it to um, supplement their work rather than replace it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a fair point that like, it's a good way to visualize certain ideas, but like, it's not the same as like the actual act of creation. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the art that I've I've found to be uh, really interesting is uh, like fake concept art or fake movie stills. Yeah. I saw one recently that I like. I actually googled it because I'm like, wait, does this movie actually exist? And it was uh, is uh, Akira Kurosawa's uh, adaptation of uh, Star Wars 1984, <laughs> and it was it was AI, but it was like they were stills from Akira Kurosawa's movies, but it was like. Um, uh, what do you call it? There was some uh, photo manipulation in such a way where it looked like um, the like samurai warriors had like stormtrooper helmets, and one of them had like a Darth Vader helm, and then like you know one of them like was wearing a mask, looked like like looked like a uh, samurai Tokugawa era in, uh, adaptation of like C three PO's face. Yeah, and I was like, oh man, that looks so cool. Yeah, like, that's such a great way to like create this like fake you know like well um like imagined um just imagined reality i suppose yeah and i think i think it's really valuable for that reason because it can be i think i think it can inspire people to make stuff that's that's really interesting and i mean i guess with a lot of that kind of like stuff i mean i guess you have to be pretty good at writing the prompts to get that Mm -hmm. to get that kind of effect um Man, on a on a tangent though, there was one actually that I saw. Um, I saw this just before I came out today uh, here, but there was one that was. Uh, it was also Star Wars, but it was what it would be like if they were all stoners. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like it had all the characters, but they were like all of them were through fisheye lenses for some reason, and just like really close up to the camera, just like hitting dab rigs and just like <laughs> smoking like G pens and stuff. It was so funny. <laughs> It was it was awesome. <laughs> well, Darth Vader, you could just have it that like his whole thing's just like a, a bong rig, <laughs> just yeah. has smoke billing out of his vent. The Darth Vader one was hilarious because they had just made it. I think they they had done him up so it looked like he was like a a trimmer. So like <laughs> his gloves were just like covered in like, <laughs> like the like leftovers from trimming. It was so funny. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I've seen some where it was uh, uh, AI generated band names, album titles, and album covers for like fictitious metal bands. That's awesome. And like like some of those like oh, that like I listened to that album. Yeah. That looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, Please is the second single you dropped in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm curious as to what plans you have in the works when it comes to releasing new music. Um, the new music is really up in the air right now. Um, I, um, for the past couple of years, I've, I've been working this day job that is uh, 
maybe one of the most like demanding jobs I think I've ever worked in my entire life. Um, so it's, it's a lot of like, I think it used to be like, I had a lot of free time to kind of like plan this stuff out. Um, but now at this point in my life, like I'm just trying to kind of make music when, and if I can. Um, so there isn't really like a specific plan in place for, for exactly how I'm going to do things, but I'm really hoping to put a record out, um, in the new or not the new year in like probably in the summer. Um, it is the new year. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I'm like, it's too late, man. Time's up. Um, but yeah, so I think, um, yeah, I think I'm going to be just working on, uh, putting an album together. Um, so please, uh, truth and, um, this new track a moment are probably going to be three singles off of this this record the new version of a moment i thought a moment already came out um yeah yeah um, a moment already came out it's oh, the, okay. sorry yeah it's the it's the new version that came out in january oh okay um, that's going to be on this new record gotcha. so, so those are three singles and then um yeah the record's probably going to be hopefully six songs maybe more nice yeah well, i guess as long as you hit that half hour mark yeah exactly yeah then it's smooth sailing but yeah it's like i think release date is super up in the air um the plan for it is super up in the air but it's it's coming nice yeah i'm excited yeah i was uh i really liked uh the ep so i'm stoked to hear what the next project will be thanks man and uh well <laughs> the uh we've you know i've heard the singles that you've dropped so far they're already available on uh most streaming services but how what about the is the rest of the record going to sound similar to those singles or you got some surprises on that release? The rest of the songs are going to be similar uh, to those for sure, um, but a lot more rhythm driven. Um, I've got, yeah, I've got three songs that are like partially complete right now. Um, and they're like, a, yeah, they're just a lot more, yeah a lot more like dancey a lot more like head bobbing songs um relative to the three that that everybody are familiar with already um so yeah some of your first bops <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. i'm hoping i'm hoping for like a couple bangers so yeah um so yeah that's that's i think what what listeners can expect uh it's like a little more something you can throw in the car and like kind of bob the head to a little bit awesome yeah. looking forward to it hell yeah what local bands or artists would you recommend we check out or bring on the show for a future episode? Well, I was going to say Walgren, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, beat you to it. Um, local bands or artists. Um, I mean, we've already talked about Alex. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to hit him up and see if he, I'm sure yeah, he'd, lo- yeah, he'd love to do Gunpowder, this. I'd yeah. love to, love to talk to him. Yeah. Cause I can, I can tell he's a, he's a Beefheart fan. So we got plenty to talk about there. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And then, my actually my buddy jamie um you might know jamie who uh he works for um cjsf um and he just started a band called self-care um and they make um like awesome like really catchy pop punk oh cool Um, yeah and they um yeah they're super new they're new on the scene and they just they've been putting together a uh a record um that i think they're gonna release like very soon um and yeah their music is great so you should definitely have them on they rock um but yeah um who else miguel miguel maravilla if you haven't already oh yeah you've played with them 
but yeah. I'm not familiar with their music. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's awesome. It's um, it's super like, it kind of makes me think about like I've, the books a little bit. If you're familiar with the books, oh, I'm. I'm not yeah, it kind of it kind of sounds like that. It's like very like um, uh, sort of like glitchy, um, like or like like baths kind of. It reminds oh, me okay. of baths a little bit too. Okay. Um, but yeah, super super good music. Um, and Miguel is also just like a pleasure to talk to. Super super sweet. Um, yeah, I mean, there's probably like a million more, but I could just go on and on. No, that's a good list though. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you. you mentioned a couple that we definitely haven't had on the show yet so nice yeah so that's what i shoot for yeah i think we'll that's that's gone through my questions i think we'll call that there if that that works for you right on that sounds great well thanks again matt um yeah pleasure to have you on yeah thanks so much for having me james this was fun thanks for listening i'm your host james olson before we close this episode off with one more song by our featured guest i just wanted to let you know that you can keep up with what we're up to on facebook and instagram at pacific sound radio and on our website at pacificsoundradio.com. If you like the show, you can give us a five-star rating and a positive review on your podcast platform of choice that lets you leave reviews. Here is Truth, 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 Truth. I get mine.